Every country's had a violent revolution for one reason or the other. Not one of them has the freedom we're all talking about. So we're saying give peace a chance, you know, like nobody's ever done it before. And it's not a matter of, we're not thinking in terms of 10 years, we're thinking in terms of peace forever, you know. And everybody's talking about now, I want peace now. We can get peace now if we want it now. And the left wing talk about giving the power to the people, you know. Anybody knows that the people have the power. All we have to do is awaken the power in the people. The people are unaware. It's like they're not educated to realize that they have power. They put the politicians in power. They vote for the local mayor. The people do it. But the system is so geared that everybody believes that just the father will fix everything. The father being the government. The E-Militia Podcast, Episode 18, Carrie Wedler. Love at gunpoint. Enjoy fuckers. It's a, it's a sweet voice. Yeah. Carrie's is much more professional though. So. Nah. <laughs> oh my god. Don't make me put on a Valley Girl accent more than it already is. Okay. All right. Y'all ready? Always. All right. Welcome to the E Militia podcast. Uh, first things first, we're going to do uh, something like a roll call and we're going to go down so that our listeners can get an idea of um, voices for faces. So we've got Bloody Revolutions at the top. What's up? We got Carrie, our guest. We'll get we'll get more on that later. Hi. <laughs> we got Empress of Meme, once guest, now permanent resident. Hey, everyone. We got me, Beat Boot Meep, and we got Hanging for Freedom. Sup? All right. <laughs> Awesome. So, uh, most importantly, as always, our guest. So, right off the bat, uh, we want to get a question that everyone wants answered out of the way, and that here, is here what? They are. Mm, well, sure, but also, what brought you to the liberty movement? Which I feel like the answer, the the, the question of who you are, will be answered in that question. Yeah, you're right. So, I came to the liberty movement a long time ago. It's 2011. And I was actually interning at a film studio and I had been a very, 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 very enthusiastic Obama supporter in 2008. It was the first election I ever got to vote in. I know, I know, I know, I know. Um, I like literally waited outside in the rain to see Michelle Obama and Oprah speak. <laughs> Obama didn't even come. And I, that didn't bother me. I was like, oh, I get to be near his people. It was a weird fanatic thing as happens with statism. Um, so as also happens with statism, I stopped paying attention. I was like, cool, Obama's gonna fix everything. He's in power. I don't have to worry about it. Um, and then I just kind of started feeling stupid, to be honest. Like, I thought that I had always prided myself on being informed and caring. And then come 2011, it was the Arab Spring. And I was like, wait, I don't know anything that's happening in the world, huh? And I was at this film studio and I was surrounded by a very different culture and environment than our Liberty community. But I used my extra time. I was a script reader. So I'd finish reading scripts and I would just start looking at the news. And I was pissed. I got really mad at Obama. Like everything I learned about his foreign policy, about his cronyism, I just, I felt personally betrayed. Um, and that was a very important component of my transition. But I, act, I had a friend who, he had known me when I was an Obama supporter. He was my best friend at the time. Um, it was like right when I was starting to be really skeptical, he slipped in with ronpaulflix.com, which if you were around during that period, it was just a collection of Ron Paul speeches and interviews, like everything Ron Paul. So we would stay up until like five in the morning just watching Ron Paul speeches and I never went back. <laughs> so to jump in real quick, what were the sort of 
main things that you felt betrayed about with Obama? Like, what were your core beliefs that he was betraying? The main one, one was that he was continuing the war because I came, I think differently than some people, at least I came from a very leftist status background. And so it was never a question that like war is a bad idea. You know, it, yeah. I came up during the Bush administration when my mom was really against the war. So I knew inherently that there was some corruption there. And I trusted Barack Obama when he said that he was going to end the wars. And when I realized he had done no such thing and he was in the process of expanding them, that was really the big one. And then it was also yeah. just looking like, at his financial industry appointments. Um, it, it was everything all around. But the main thing for me was always war and foreign policy. And he just fucked it all up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a hell of a big betrayal. I mean, just seeing what he did after after years of adamant left saying, like, we're against the war, we're against the war. They take the office. And you just all of a sudden see they're just no different on such a fundamental issue that should be clear as day to anyone on the so-called left. But... I'm in the same boat on that one, too. I believed him when he said he was going to stop the war, and I was really butthurt when I realized <laughs> that the war kept going and we were starting new wars. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, like, even <clears throat> still butthurt about it. Like, I'm not mad at him. I'm not – I don't have anger towards any particular politician, but I really genuinely believe that he killed what was left of the anti-war movement. Mm. And I've since sort of started to believe that a lot of the opposition from the left to the Iraq war when Bush was in office is because he was a Republican. They had already lost their principles, you know, and if you look at back at which presidents waged wars, there's a lot of Democrats in there. You know, it's not like I don't know why Democrats were able to have this reputation for so long. But with Obama continuing the wars and his supporters having to rationalize it so they could continue supporting him, they have completely dismissed anything having to do with foreign policy. Like when Trump said he wanted to pull out of Syria, it was like, oh, no, oh God, look how awful he is. What? Like, <laughs> when did that happen? Yeah, it's uh, you see that a lot where fundamental principles of a party just get folded over. Like people just like, no, we're not going to pay attention to that one. Like as we see today with uh, Trump and guns, it's like all these people who are so hardcore and were hardcore during the Obama years, like you're not going to take our guns, we'll fight you. And the second Trump's in charge, it's like, well, we, we don't really need that accessory, and that's not really part of the Second Amendment, so it's okay if he takes it. It's just cult yeah. personality. Hardcore it's okay if they wear red. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Your team's colors, as long as they're in they're in office, you're winning. But something uh, something important that stuck out to me within your introduction was uh, you saying that um, you had an epiphany and realized that you basically didn't know anything uh, because you had been an Obama supporter. Wow, saying this sounds just really like blatantly insulting, but that's not what I mean. So, uh, <clears throat> but basically, I understand you, and I agree. So, go on. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> you just you you understood that you knew nothing, Jon Snow, and then you decided <laughs> to um, learn about reality. And I know that it's probably true for us that have been in the e militia for a little bit. Like we constantly get DMs, and we're like, I used to be a you know, I used to be a, a hardcore Trump supporter or I like I used to be like a hardcore Democrat, blah, blah, blah. And then like. They'll say that something they saw that we put out was what like brought them or coaxed them into like researching a little bit more. And so they slowly came over to the uh, dark side of politics. <laughs> so I think it's really cool. And I think it's a I think it's a reflection of uh, what the entire liberty movement is trying to achieve. So I think it's something to be proud of, honestly. I mean, you brought yourself out of it. So that's really cool. Thank you. And I just want to credit, you know, especially this person. I met him in college and 
he didn't give up on me, you know? And I was someone who I can, I can vividly remember being in public school and learning about Stalin. And I don't know where I got this from because my mother never made apologies for communists. I don't know where this came from, but I remember reading about all the people he killed and still being like, well, yeah, but like he's on the left. So <laughs> like she was just, somehow she was, was trying like a, to be good. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where my head was. I don't know where I got those ideas. I, I'm still trying to figure it out, but um, yeah. Yeah. if he had killed everybody he wanted to kill, it would have worked out. <laughs> well, I don't know though, you know, maybe it still could work. Um, yeah. But I mean, that's really how entrenched I was. So I like to use myself as an example because it's like people can be really far gone and still oh, yeah. come around. If somebody sticks around yeah. and they're consistent and like bless his heart, he became my boyfriend after we were like best friends and he was my boyfriend for a while. But like, oh my gosh, she never gave up on me. <laughs> and like, I don't know. He's a, he's the guy who told me to make videos. What if I had never met him? You know, what if he had never changed my mind? I might be making videos for Bernie Sanders right now. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think I wouldn't, but like... Bernie Sanders says some stupid shit, dude. From seeing your reach, I'm glad you're not. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we have a much bigger problem on our hands. If <laughs> I saw the Bernie, I saw the Bernie Sanders tweet today that said it's not a crime to go to school, so we need to cancel all student loan debt immediately. And oh some dude replied, and he was like, "It's not a crime to own a house. Like, cancel my mortgage right now, dude. Do it." That's, I mean, it's the same logic, though. Like, what? you choose to acquire debt and it's not a crime to do so. So there shouldn't be the debt there. Like I don't how, know. Ass, how asinine does your fucking thought process have to be to be like, it's not a crime to do something. Therefore you shouldn't have to pay for it. What are you talking about, dude? Did you oh guys ever see those Reddit threads in 2016 after Bernie lost the primary? And there were people who were like, I, I think I'm going to kill myself. Bernie was my ticket <laughs> oh my to God. canceling my student loan debt. And the reason I bring that up is one, I mentioned Bernie, but two, as far as like me choosing to be ignorant because I figured Obama was going to fix it, that's a really common theme in statism and why I think it's so dangerous and why people yeah. aren't as likely to help others. Because if there's this big power and this nice old man or whoever it is, whoever's running for president doesn't have to be an old man. But like, if you think that somebody else is going to take care of it, why bother? Why yeah, bother taking care of yourself or helping others? It's always I, somebody else's responsibility, which goes into the personal responsibility ideals of, of libertarianism in general. Like that's, right. I think you have to come to that conclusion first with your own life, you know, or I guess it could be the other way. Like you, you understand that it's not their responsibility to do something. My mic is reverbing a touch. Might need <laughs> oh. to move the mic away from <laughs> I was trying to be but, subtle. That's, yeah. God damn it. Well, I try, I mean, <laughs> I dude, I heard it saying, I heard it doing that. And then I literally got up and walked 10 feet away and it was still doing it. So I was like, okay, I guess it's, can y'all hear it? Is it like a, a big problem? It's good now. Yeah. <laughs> what is reverbing? Oh, okay. Don't, don't worry about it. I mean, you're just going to have to edit all this out. I know. So, I mean, we might as well talk about it for a long time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> ten, 10 minutes of justice. All right, so to jump, to jump back into it. So with the Ron Paul stuff, um, how radicalized and how quickly were you radicalized with all that? So you started reading on him, watching his, uh, his videos and stuff. Were you like, how quickly were you sucked in? Let's see. So I made my very first video in November of 2011, and I was still talking about the Constitution. So I was on board. And I was getting into it, but I think it took about another, I mean, really like six, seven months until I reached anarchism because I saw what the Republican Party did to him. Like I watched them not report on things. I watched them skew the polls. 
And there started, that's when I really started to have a distrust of the entire system. Before it was mm -hmm. like, the people in power are bad. Yeah, we just need to get the right people, right? And then I realized like, you're not gonna get the right people. And then came the realization of like, even if they were the right people, what right do I have to choose that person for somebody else? And, yeah. um, the, but the final straw really, I'll never forget, I was in Hollywood. I was coming out of a bar class and I had a parking ticket and I was so mad. This was 2012 in the summer. So Ron was already out. I was already like going down that cynical road and not to say that anarchism is cynical. I think it's the opposite, but I was just very dissatisfied with the current paradigm. And I saw that ticket and I was just like, what in the goddamn hell? People pay for the meters. They pay for the roads. They pay for your stupid little Prius that you drive in. They pay your salary. And now I have, we have to pay more. What? And I, that was it. I'd seriously, the tiniest little thing. And I was done. Well, that's going to fuel the uh, stereotype that we've all been wronged by cops, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Regular it, well, cops too. You said it took a long time, like six months, but I'm finding <laughs> that seems to be like the norm from the time people start to think until they just go, you know what? I, I've been doing this for six months and the ideology <laughs> is solid. Excuses. Yeah. Six months of making excuses will do something to you. You're like, well, maybe we need it for this. Maybe we need government for that. And then you're like, ah, no, no, none of it makes sense. It's all for Right. I'm sure you guys have heard the saying, like, the difference between a minarchist and an anarchist is six months. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I said that to Anglo probably for about six months from when we first started talking. <laughs> when we were first debating minarchy versus anarchy, he's like, well, no, 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 I've still got this. I'm like, six months, man, six months. <laughs> sure enough, <laughs> we broke him. Um, or, or rather fixed him, if we're going yes. to the, the yes. message of positivity. Yeah, but um, we also lost one. <laughs> which, oh, yeah, we, poor... To statism? Talk. He's yeah. so lost. Yeah, no. he's, he fell so yeah. hard. In the earlier episodes, you'll hear a liberal, oh, liber libertarian punk who now goes by liberal punk, and he just got further and further away. It was like, oh, man. Well, maybe, maybe the principles weren't fully clear to this person to begin with then, because... Yeah. I find a lot of the people who revert back to statism after, you know, being a Ron Paul supporter or being an anarchist, like, I don't know, maybe this is just the arrogance of being an anarchist, but I'm like, well, they never got it then, <laughs> you know, like, maybe yeah, that's my no. own ego. But <laughs> yeah, honestly, I feel the same way, though. So, yeah, they never got it. <laughs> Let's all just remove our, remove our uh... I've decided that's what it is. <laughs> they were just in it for the trend. And that's how <laughs> I thought about that's how I thought about Liberty Punk is he was just in it for the trend. It, it does happen. Like you hear something radical and you're like, well, that sounds kind of cool. And I don't know, maybe it just doesn't click with you. Right. You didn't hear the right thing. And yeah, you fall out of it, but we tried. And it's, it's a scary realization too. Like, wait a minute, I'm responsible for myself. Yeah. And uh Oh, <laughs> I don't think yeah, I like that anymore. <laughs> you gotta have the right temperament. And even those of us who accept that are not always on board with it. Cause it's like, Oh Jesus, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why we drink. Um, so, so anyway hmm? i was gonna go off uh, so anyway so, god fucking damn it guns i hate you so anyway carrie uh so what's your favorite part of your evolution into libertarianism and anarchism what's been the thing that that uh resonated with you within your heart the most oh i feel like there are so many um Obviously, there's so many, but I should just get to the main one. Um, 
but I do want to say I just the community is truly amazing and it really warms my heart all the time and it's such a reminder that people generally are good and yeah there are gonna be some sociopaths and some psychopaths and some people who are gonna exploit but overall like I just love people even if I'm a super introvert and a hermit like I love humanity um but really the biggest 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 part of my evolution which may not be very popular but it's really true for me is um I started having to go inward because I realized that yeah I can advocate for freedom and peace and love but I did not have that internally for myself I had a lot of struggles and I had never really processed any of my emotions and I was very reactive because of it and if you look at my earlier videos especially I'm super angry and like don't get me wrong we should be angry. The things that we are talking about, the things that outrage us, mm, if they're not making us upset, there's something wrong. You know, the people who don't care about these things, obviously they're desensitized and apathetic. No, um, but then I started realizing a few years ago, I was like, wait, how much of this energy I'm putting out, this angry energy, how much of it is really at the injustice that the government is committing and how much of it is triggering deeper stuff in me? And this was a really uh, existential exploration, but I really genuinely, sincerely, with all my heart, this is what's touched my heart the most. If we really want to have an anarchist society, we have to go inward. Like there, there's too many people who are struggling and suffering and not conscious of the fact that that's happening, that there's a lot more tension in the world. And again, not to minimize our reactions to the state and to statism because they are, what we're supposed to be angry. Like we have a sense of conscience, but um, I think that if we were to have an anarchist society right now, tomorrow, people themselves would kill it. It wouldn't be a state that came in. It would be like people's unprocessed trauma and suffering that would lead them to impose statism. It wouldn't just be like, mechanically, this is how it happens. I think this happens very much so, and not entirely, but very much so because we are not internally free. I agree. Thank you, Empress. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that's something that uh, me and Em have been talking about quite a bit recently, where libertarians are naturally pretty empathetic. It's not like we're robots who are stuck on reason like a lot of people would, you know, push us to be. Right. And um, it's usually out of concern. We just process it in a, a more rational, big picture kind of way rather than individual cases like, oh, a, a kid died because they couldn't afford treatment. It's like, well, you look at a larger picture, oh, what just happened there? Hang on, we left. Okay. You look at the larger picture, and um, it's like, is it really <laughs> empathetic? God damn it. Is it really <laughs> empathetic to, like, be using force to fix problems and all that kind of thing? And people look at us like robots because we have that kind of rationale. And people generally aren't. They just process things in a different way while still obviously caring about humanity. They want the best for people. But just coming across yeah. it out of ignorance, you might not think that. And that's, I think, one of really the sickest things about statism is it preys upon people's emotions, it preys upon their empathy in order to commit more violence and more crimes. And that like truly makes me feel ill. The fact that people yeah. who really just need help and they need compassion and they need love, they end up turning to the state because they're told that that's the best way to express it and to help themselves. When to your point, uh, I don't know, what do you like, call it? Bloody? Bloody revolutions, like full name? I don't know. Bloody, or BR. Yeah, okay, BR. What you were just saying about empathy, it's like, yes, take this one individual case, but what would be the most empathetic policy for all people? And that would be less government. If you will want to look at the way markets function and like housing laws and zoning, you know, all of these regulations, uh, the empathetic thing to help the poorest people would be to get rid of them. 
But of course, that's like upside down world for most people. Yeah, and they just see that as like you're taking things away rather than freeing people, and it's they have this weird policy of love at gunpoint, which <laughs> obviously we view it crystal clear, but but to the most people, it's like that's not how it works. I'm like, well, no, 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 it's called helping your fellow man. It's like, well, that's, that's just not how these things work out. It's not voluntary. It's you're putting a gun to my head and forcing me to do things. That that's nothing pure can come of that. Totally agree. And they actually they did a study. Um, I don't know who did the study, but it was some university study, and they talked to like some upper class. I don't know what the exact demographic was, but people who have a lot of income. And they asked them if taxation were to be eliminated, how would your contributions to charity change? And the vast majority of people either it didn't change at all, or they increased their charitable giving. Uh, it wasn't like everybody was like, ah, never mind, fuck the poor. I don't have to pay taxes. <laughs> no, there are still people who want to be generous and help. And I genuinely think that, again, as we've already been talking about, like people didn't just expect the state to take care of it. There would be a lot more personal agency. Yeah. Well, um, I know this is at the end of the list, but I just read through. Am I, I'm reverbing. Am yeah. I? I can hear yes. myself and carry. Yes, yeah, I can hear myself and carry. Am I reverbing too? I think no, it was just him. Okay. But I'm not doing it anymore. Oh. All right, we're going to have to edit that out too. But anyway, um, starting now, uh, this is at the end of the list that Empress of Meme posted. Uh, but as usual, I don't read the notes for the podcast. But I actually had this question myself. Before I noticed that was it was in her notes, and uh, I was going I was going to ask. Uh, oh, Anglo joined. <laughs> Anglo's here. Let's get him in. He'll join. Carry on. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I'm excited. I love him. <laughs> oh, here he is. Hey, buddy. All right. Anyway, um, so. As you can see by the demographics of just this podcast and by the e-militia in its entirety up until like the last few weeks, uh, women in the liberty community are like almost as rare as diamonds. So, <laughs> I mean, so like how is that? First of all, why do you think that is as a woman? And how has it affected the way that you go about being part of it and, and interacting with the community and trying to help spread the word of liberty and anything yeah. else you want to add to it as a woman. Yeah. Wonderful question. I'm going to try to remember all the parts of it. You may have to remind me. Uh, if you catch me rambling, just interrupt me and remind me that there are oh, other questions. Um, we, love, we love rambling. <laughs> um, so I actually have thought about this as to why there aren't as many women. Um, and I was just talking about this a couple of days ago with the philosopher and she is of the opinion that there are more women than we think. Especially if you go to like a liberty movement event, you know, there are women um, and, you know, there are a lot of groups where there are women, but the ratio, like we're, we're talking about the ratio. There are a lot fewer women than men. And my theory on this is that especially if you look at like millennial women um, and, you know, people in our generation, there's this push from the left, progressive politicians, democratic politicians, they've really monopolized female empowerment. So, and this was told to me by Angela Keaton, who is an amazing woman. She works for okay. antiwar.com, which is a libertarian uh, 
news organization, basically. Okay. Um, they've been surveilled by the FBI and everything. They've really been through it. Um, that means they're doing things right. Awesome. Exactly. And I was talking to her. <laughs> this was like years ago. And I was trying to you just sort out my beliefs on feminism and politics. And what she said to me that really resonated, and, well, it didn't resonate, but it stuck with me was the way Democrats go about feminism is they reduce women to their body parts. So it's about birth control. It's about abortions. It's about your body. But there's not much acknowledgement outside of that. And in the age of Donald Trump, they've added in, you know, like the environmentalism and whatever else it is they talk about, all their talking points. But there is this core, in my opinion, monopolization of compassion and empathy with the left. Because as we've all been talking about, like they've conflated helping people with using the state. Mm. And so, and it's really sick to me again, like when, when the state uses people's good intentions to just seize more power, it just, it's very sad and it's twisted in my opinion, but I think women have been really successfully corralled into that demographic because they think they're helping people. Um, and then on top of that, it is true that there are a lot of dudes in the libertarian community. And I love <laughs> that. Like I, I'm not one of those like toxic masculinity must be resolved thing, you know, like I'm sure it exists, but like, I love men and I love masculinity. Like I am not here to complain about there being a lot of dudes, in the but that can be intimidating for women, especially like if you go to an event and they're like even just five out of 200 dudes who are like a little weird and like they're not reading social cues and they're like breathing yeah. in your face and you know and like they need love and compassion too but it can be scary if you're at like a new event and you don't know yeah. a lot of people and they're just like leering eyes at you you know <laughs> like and it's especially um, if you are a woman that does subscribe to the belief that toxic masculinity is an issue then you probably wouldn't even think twice about you know right coming into this community Exactly. And then add on that, like, as you're saying, yes, libertarians have empathy, but there is a very big emphasis on reason and logic. And I'm not saying that women aren't logical, because I think they are. But I do think that if you've been steeped in this leftist ideology, and then somebody's like, yelling at you about how stupid you are, that you don't understand, you know, the logic of free markets, like, I'm thinking back on myself at 16, 17, when I was like, a very proud Democrat, I would not give you the time of day if you were telling me that we shouldn't help people because logic and help people in quotes because i'm talking about statism that's i think that's a really great way to turn you just completely reject the fact that people have feelings you know because we all have them men have feelings too like and it's it's very easy for women to shut that down when they feel like they're not being treated uh with respect or having their concerns acknowledged. And I think that's been a big, uh, again, cut me off if I'm rambling in a way that doesn't make sense, but that's been a big evolution for me is to realize like, okay, well, let's talk about economics and how economics and free market economics can actually help the most people and show the consequences of what the statism does with the good intentions, you know? Uh, I don't know if it's effective, but I have started trying to work that into how I communicate with people. Yeah, and so that's something I think the, the second part of Gunn's question is um, something relating to how can we reach more women? Right. Because, I mean, it's like I would like it to not be so one sided because really at this point it is. And uh, as most things, when it's only a bunch of like sweaty dudes involved in it, <laughs> usually it's kind of overlooked by like the most the majority of people. And they're like, you yeah, know, I'm not going I'm not I'm not going into that restaurant. Look at it. You know, Well, I've I've heard the argument from some leftists. That the environmental thing, there's more women in that than men because it's a woman's argument. Like, they're the ones who are going to be left with the earth 
Well, wouldn't our argument be a woman's argument also? Yeah, I don't really understand that. I, there's a lot of there's a lot of like sociology in it, honestly. Like why does why do women subscribe more to like environmental goals than men? You know? It's a really good question. Yeah, I certainly don't have the answer. I mean, I think women are more conditioned and maybe more biologically inclined to lean towards empathy and compassion and like worrying about the planet. That's something that requires some empathy because you're worried about animals. You're worried about uh, at-risk populations. However, I wanted to add, I'm glad actually that you brought this up because last night, just completely randomly, actually no, Lady Voluntary posted it on her Instagram story. I just saw a meme and I found this woman named Mary Ruer, who I never heard of. She's like an older libertarian woman. And I somehow, yeah, she's amazing. I love her because she talks a lot of empathy and compassion, but I I ended up on her website and there's this Q and A from like, I don't know, 20 years ago, but it's all about libertarian environmentalism. And it's asking these really specific questions about like, well, how would you deal with this? How would you deal with that? And it was so cool because she had such a, such amazing reasoned answers, you know, like they're so logical yet she's also able to express empathy and compassion. And that's actually a core part of her message. So if you haven't heard of her, highly recommended. I ordered her book last night. I'm very excited to read it. What's her name? Really cool. Mary Brewer. It's Mary. Mary. I think it's R-U-W-A-R-T. Ruert. All right. Yeah. So Lady Voluntary. Yeah, check out yeah. Lady Voluntary. Yeah, check out her too. She's awesome. Check I love out, girls. Check out and support all women in the Liberty community. And all the dudes. Yeah, but mostly the women because they already get attention. <laughs> yeah, get our numbers up. Help us. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's also something I hear a lot from women at conferences. They'll be like, I wish I could do what you do, but uh-uh, I'm scared. Like, no way. I'm not putting myself out there like that, but... I think that the more women who do, whether it's anonymously or whether it's in a video or however they do it, I think that is a lot more welcoming for other women. Yeah. And as uh, we're trying to make it like a ladies night, (laughs) more ladies you invite, the more guys will bring in too. That's true. (laughs) But Empress of Meme posted in our our private group chats, a list, I'm not going to share them all, but like a list (laughs) of a bunch of libertarian and anarchist uh, accounts on Instagram that are actually admin by women. And a lot of them, I mean, they, they probably wouldn't hide it if like I asked about it, but they weren't openly women in their accounts. You know, like it was almost like, we were blown away. We're like, what? Yeah. They they were like, almost like, yeah, you know, you know, if somebody asks, I'll tell them, but I'm not going to let people know outright. So like, you know, that's, that's part of it, too. There might be more of us, more of y'all, I guess. Than you think. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm inclusive. I mean, I love women just as much as you love men, Carrie. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, mutual love and respect. So, like with that, I've I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of value to people seeing themselves already in the community. Like there's, and it's it's playing the stupid game of identity politics. But when you see that it's kind of safe to be a part of a group because you're already there's already a voice for you within that uh, larger group of people. I think that helps out a lot. And what you're doing, like being very visible um, as a, a female libertarian, it's that helps. I'm sure a lot of people are like, Oh cool. It's not just a, a boys club, you know? Right. Plus you're not near as rough around the edges as most libertarians. <laughs> you appeal to a larger group. Cause a lot of us are just, 
loudmouth assholes with strong opinions. <laughs> yes. Speak for yourself. Hey, he, he talks. He has a voice. Yeah, I exist. Yeah. I, I didn't say all of us. I said a lot of us. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll say that about myself. Myself are sweary, angry, radical rants. Your videos are, like, I feel like they're very palatable. Not to say that they're not radical, but they're palatable to people who are, like, on either side. They can come to you and be like, she is making points. And I'm sure you see all sorts of, like, a mix of... It's good to share her videos with newcomers. Yes. People that have (laughs) questions. Like I said, she's soft around the edges. They're like, oh, she's not a radical anarchist, crazy person. I think think I've got an analogy. (laughs) <laughs> and they take her points a little bit more seriously because she's not ranting about them. Yeah. How's that? How's this for a good analogy, though? I would say that you are the closest thing to a female Ron Paul. Wait, are you how talking about me? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh my god, that's like the nicest compliment I've ever gotten in my life. <laughs> I, I, th- I thought it would work. <laughs> oh, thank you. So not true, but thank you. <laughs> well, as long as someone believes it. Well, it's funny that you guys mentioned that, like that I'm soft around the edges and everything, because that's actually been a, a conscious decision to be less of a bitch. Because I'm telling you, if you go watch my older <laughs> videos, like I am really sassy and I don't give a fuck. And that used to be my <laughs> and like there is a time and a place for that. Like that yeah. part, that's a real part of me, you know, like that really reactive, like fuck this, I'm not going to stand for this. Like y'all are hypocrites. I don't know why I said y'all, but it comes into my syntax, <laughs> my vocabulary once in a while. But like. Really, I mean, I I get it, but I did have to start thinking just about what would be the most effective way. Do I like when people yell at me? Hmm, no, I don't. I don't like that at all. And some people do respond to that. I know, like Larkin Rose, he's always like just yelling at people, you know? And he actually has a much more, if you've done his Candles in the Dark seminar or heard of it, that's actually like a 180. It's super empathetic and compassionate and it's just communication skills for anarchists. Highly recommended. But The way he communicates publicly is very aggressive. And some people respond to that, but some people don't. So I'm trying to fill a market need for a little bit kinder communication. And just for myself, because I realized like, oh my God, Carrie, like being this angry all the time is not helping your being. Like did not feel good after a while. Oh, nurture me, nurture me into. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think, I think we have to have all sorts of different frequencies to make sure we hit as many different people as possible. And You've got, like, a lot of our writing is pretty fucking angry. <laughs> and, and that, that resonates really? with I don't think so. Angler? <laughs> don't even stop. <laughs> <laughs> but my stuff is pissed off basically all the time. It's never, like, a calm place. And that resonates with a certain kind of person. And the more reasonable, like, like I was saying, like, someone who's more empathetic and they're like, oh, I can see why the state would be hurting these people and why it like a market solution would be le- more peaceful that you're going to resonate with them a lot better than a lot of us would which is is important well that brings me into something uh carrie do you get a lot of resistance or like hate mail or just people coming at you telling you that you're wrong or they don't like your ideas oh yeah absolutely <laughs> and i haven't made many videos this year because uh, I've on, I've been in mourning for losing anti-media um, but it's it's time I'm coming back out with a lot more so I haven't had as much pushback just because I haven't had as much content but I'm telling you I I made a video once about like literally just compassion and empathy and how we need to heal ourselves and there's still hateful comments like 
how can you be mad at that? <laughs> and I get it. It's like that you probably, that's what you need desperately. If you're having this reaction to having compassion suggested to you, like that's probably, you know, there's a reason you're reacting so intensely. But um, I think the most pushback I've ever gotten and the most fanatic I've ever received, there are two groups, one Bernie Sanders supporters and two Israel supporters. I still <laughs> get emails about the one video I made on Israel five years ago. So I'm coming out. Oh, God. I'm, I'm like literally. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then that opened a whole can of words because some people are now convinced I work for George Soros and I'm actually like an <laughs> operative for, for the Jews, even though I call out Israel. Oh. But then I've got that people. one. Yeah. Oh, I, I get that a lot. Agent of the Mossad. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I'm like yeah. a very high level thought manipulator or whatever. Um, where's, where's I, my wish. I bet those guys get hella bank. I know. <laughs> yeah, seriously. The travel benefits. Israel is not close. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. I think if I tried to go there, they might not be in. Um, but I'm not like a Norman Finkelstein. I made one video, you know, but I'm going to make another, but, um, I'm literally, I'm like, I have, I have an Israel video I want to make, but I am waiting until I've like put out a few more videos and I feel comfortable, you know, putting myself out there again. Cause I'm like, I know what's going to happen when I make a video about what I video about. Um, it's the same with memes. Like sometimes yeah. you put out a spicy meme and they take it down, you get blocked, and you're like, all right, well, I got to build back into this. I just got off my shadow ban. Right. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs> so, uh, leading from the, uh, the social media stuff, um, something I wanted to get into was being a public figure. So, we're all pretty anonymous, apart from Angler, who just fucking doxxed himself fully recently. <laughs> <laughs> it's like <laughs> come to my door uh mi6 oh, it's very sexy by the way yeah you're, right. you're a good looking boy um, <laughs> oh my god he's got a face wrong. for tv <laughs> oh. first the radio voice now the now the tv face i can't keep up but um <laughs> what can't i do so i wanted to get i into, don't know <laughs> i wanted to get into what what do you think about Make being a memes? yes Ooh. Ooh, that hits <laughs> where it hurts oh you should get back into that. Um, but Gary, <laughs> what, what do you make of um, sort of the public versus uh, pseudonym kind of libertarians? Like we've got plenty of people who are anonymous and then we've got public figures. And I feel like they're two kind of separate bubbles because you've got people who go to events like yourself, people who are very visual, like you, you embody libertarianism all the time, 24-7. It's, it's who you are now, whereas we can just shed it and go about our lives. So what do you, how, <laughs> how, is, how is that in your day-to-day -day life? Does it affect you much now that you, like, you're all in? Um, you know, it does, because when I started making videos, I didn't really think about it. I was just like, I have to say something. I'll make yeah. a video. I was always the kind of student okay. in public school who, like, I would explicitly ask the teachers if I could do a video instead of, a, like, a, in front of the class presentation, because I was so shy. And so that just seemed natural to me. But over the years, as I've put myself out there more, and I'm like seeing this rise in anonymous accounts on Instagram where like everybody I follow is anonymous, save like <laughs> probably like 10 or under, like all of the anarchist Instagrams are anonymous. And I think it's awesome. And it is different, but I think a very common thread among either way, whether you're a public figure or whether you're, you're, you're an account with just a handle that nobody can guess who you are, I really think, and I love this, that people really just want to feel like they're not alone. 
like whether they know exactly who you are or not doesn't matter. Like literally I just was at the grocery store. I posted on my story because it made my heart so happy. But I was just at the grocery store today and I was in line and somebody recognized me. And this never happens. Like I want to be really clear. This has happened. Like I can count on two hands. Like I don't get recognized very often. It's happened. But um, what he said to me was he was just like, I I love your YouTube videos. I like you're the only person I feel like says how I feel and how I think. And it just makes me feel less alone. And I think because our little movement is still coming up. I think it's expanding exponentially. I genuinely do, but it still is small. Yeah. And it's amazing. And it's so fun to see, but there's still so many people who feel isolated and they're just online looking at content that makes them feel like they're not crazy. You know, like, Oh my gosh, there are other people who feel this way. So to me, I think every one of us can agree with that. Especially those in the UK. Oh yeah, I bet. (laughs) You poor limey bastards. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it it is nice to have that anonymity and I kind of wish I had thought it through. But it is important for there to be faces out there, you know, like Absolutely. people to that end of people not feeling alone. I was talking to another YouTuber about this last year and he was just like, people want to see you as their friend, you know, like talk to them like you're their friend because like you literally are, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's nice for people to have some like an, like an actual person to connect to. But I look at the engagement and the support and enthusiasm on pages like all of you guys. And I, to me, that just shows it's not, you don't have to be public to make a difference and to help people. Yeah, I, 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 like, I like both sides of it. I mean, you have to have people out in public. Otherwise, it's like we're all just hiding in our basement, like, you know, <laughs> like, trying to be subtle about something that we know could get us in trouble, potentially, like, with work, etc. But to see that people are, you know, brave enough to do it just they that is what they do day to day tom words yourself these others who put themselves out there and just are members of the liberty movement we need both and i i'd like to see a lot more public people but depending on what topics you cover depends on how much it's going to impact your life (laughs) exactly and like oh my god if if i said half the stuff i did when i was back in the uk with like publicly i would probably be under house arrest or something by now. <laughs> so I, I wish it wasn't that way, but I feel like we're one of the only movements that have to operate like that. I get it. And to that end, I don't know if you guys heard, but, um, or know about it. I, I feel like I'm in every corner of the Liberty movement. Um, but yes, as far as like, com- <laughs> <laughs> cast the widest net, <laughs> bridge, bridge those communities, but sorry. Oh yeah. However you want to phrase it. Yeah, whatever works. But there's, I don't, there's like a whole circuit. So there's Anarchapulco, which is like the Acapulco anarchist event that started like five I years ago. So bad. It's so fun, honestly. Like, I'll have I to so want to go. Please come. Please come. It's really fun. And it's right next to the beach. It's awesome. But, and what's also <laughs> awesome is they've started like decentralizing it. So other people and other groups are putting together their own anarcho conferences. So I was just at Anarcho Vegas and like a month, let's see. That would have been a couple months before the, sorry, I'm mapping out chronology in my head, but it, it was probably May, two months before the event, the hotel they had booked canceled the contract and said, Larkin Rose is a domestic terrorist. You can't have your event here. <laughs> yeah. And so they had to get, and it was a great space that they ended up finding. And it was an awesome event, highly recommended. Uh, it was their first annual and it was amazing. The organizers are great, but um, yeah. Larkin's out there. He's public, and there are people who have decided he's a domestic terrorist. <laughs> like, so that's what comes with being public, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, 
I'm if if we go into the long term, I'm sure gradually we might end up revealing ourselves and stuff, depending on how how safe it is for us to do so. But because I do want to go to these conferences because they just look awesome. But I feel like I I have to put on a fucking accent because how many <laughs> how many Brits are wandering around these these conferences and stuff? There actually are a lot. You'd be surprised, especially Seriously? in Acapulco. Oh. People come okay. from all over the world. It's really that's cool. Whole, that's wholesome. Okay. Just don't wear your vest. <laughs> yeah. my, my vest is kick-ass, though. It is, but <laughs> that makes sense, that's worse than your accent if you're worried about doxing yourself. Uh, I, I literally, if I'm wearing that out now, I'm like, because like, so one of my, like, I was only at 2,000 followers. I went out to a, to a bar wearing it. No, I wasn't even wearing it. And someone asks me if I'm a, if I was like a YouTuber or something, if I was a well-known YouTuber, and that freaked me out. It was nothing to do, nothing to do with my actual page, but I'm like, shit, that's exactly how it would go. Because where am I vest or something? And someone's like, oh, are you on Instagram? Are you this guy? But I don't know where I'm going with that particular tangent. But <laughs> All right, Carrie, I'm sure you've <laughs> had a lot of political discussions with people out of the blue, mostly because you're minding your own business and you just hear them say something ridiculous. <laughs> you feel like you have to put in your two cents. If you had one argument to pick that they were going to start by just opening their mouth, what would that argument be? You know, is your idea of um, pushing like the message break. the most? Great question. And what comes to mind, I may, I'm probably going to come up with a better answer, of course, when we finish the podcast, but what comes to mind for me and what seems to trigger people and like, get them thinking uh is something i borrowed from the candles in the dark seminar plugging for larkin again but only because it's so <laughs> awesome so and i realized i think this is an argument that leonard reed who's the founder of fee made um, i edit for fee now so i'm like all up in their content um which is just to put that out there only because like i really am in all different like i'm in the buttoned up corner of the community i'm in the oh, i was gonna say the cool corner of the community which is who i'm talking to right now but like you know the more yeah. the button down corner of the community but point being um and it's awesome that Larkin is unbuttoned and Leonard Reed super buttoned and like they're saying the same thing. But um, so basically it's the double standard, right? So how do you delegate a right that you don't have to other people? So if we don't have the right to kill or to steal, how do we transfer that to a bunch of politicians? It's this double standard, right? And nobody mm -hmm. can answer that question. You know, they can like mutter about the social contract, but when it comes down to that double standard and then you add in consent of like, well, what if I don't want to pay for that? Are you are you going to force me to pay for it? Are you going to come to my house? Oh, you wouldn't? Okay, so how can you ask somebody else to? It's like, really, it's to the core of anarchism. Like, forget the peripheral issues. I can do that all the time, too. But I find it's very effective to talk about this way. And I actually, after I went to Candles in the Dark, I was talking to my sister about it. And she was into Ron Paul, kind of, you know, um, but she's not an anarchist. But I explained it this way. And she was like, Carrie, why didn't you say it this way three years ago? Like... <laughs> And it's awesome. You know, there's somebody who like, I'm working on her, you know, but it resonates with people because it's such basic morality. It's really hard to deny. Yeah. Like when you break it down to sort of the black and white examples, like I hear a lot of people talk about um, scaling things. It's like, you know, it's fine to talk about a country of 350 million in a certain way. Like, oh yes, we need these things to make it all function. But then you get down to like, well, what if there's 15 people in a room and you say five people are in charge and everyone else has to pay them for certain functions that they're going to be in charge of. And it's like, just scaling things, the morality very quickly becomes ridiculous. And you're like, well, why is that okay on a large scale to use force against others and all this kind of stuff? And right, exactly. It, eventually people just cop out. 
in conversations like they they're either like you're absolutely right or they cop out and you're like well <laughs> you you're either gonna reach people or you're not but they're that's gonna i heard you say on uh, the tom woods pod- podcast about planting seeds and when you break down to basic morality that's where you really win the big fights in the long term i feel yeah and i think you know what i took away most from candles in the dark was that you're not changing people's values you're just showing them that their values don't align with statism like you don't have to tell them they're bad people you remind them that they're good people and that's why they should renounce statism yeah that's a that's a very good way of looking at it yeah like you that's not me (laughs) (laughs) well just just in general as an argument for everyone to use it's like people are generally good people they just misguided or they've been indoctrinated in some form and to be like, do you really believe in this when you, your personal beliefs, do they actually align with what you're saying you believe in? And they're like, you know, they wrestle with it. Yeah. And it may take them years until they actually get to anarchism, but really just one little seed of doubt. And then, you don't know, five years from now, they see a documentary or something happens in the news. And that little memory of whatever you said to them is amplified. And they're like, well, they oh, crap. Ticket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You never know. <laughs> Yeah, for me that was that was being um like being into gun rights in England and following whiskey and rebellion, and then just time and time again I kept on making excuses, making excuses, and then finally getting assaulted and the cops not doing anything about it, and then um the Daniel Shaver shoot. I think I mentioned it. Sorry, I probably mentioned it every podcast, but the <laughs> Daniel Shaver shoot. I was finally like, why am I making excuses for this kind of treatment and for this kind of authority to exist? And that was probably three years of sitting there just being dug at by little posts I see and little little things I get from various politicians like Ron Paul, Rand Paul, just being like, yep, no more excuses. It's it's a long fight, but eventually it's such a clear-cut um, philosophy. It, it sounds really arrogant to say, but it can't lose when you when you look at it objectively. It's like you're either making excuses or you're you're finally coming to terms that things aren't moral on a very basic level. You're just mad you got your ass beat. Nobody needs a gun. Hey, it was a, <laughs> su- it was a sucker punch and I was blackout drunk. Uh, <laughs> cry some more. For me, it was somebody telling me it wasn't our government because I said our government. And mm. just explaining that and later when I heard Ron Paul talking, it all kind of clicked. Mm. It's a random Twitter user. So um, your, your recent projects, talking about um, Fee, you said you were, uh, are you not editor-in-chief? What's your title there? I'm just an editor. I don't even know my full title, but I edit articles. <laughs> <laughs> and I work in marketing now, too. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, which I've been there a year now, which is crazy. It kind of lined up in a very fortuitous way for me. I mean, I would have rather not lost anti-media. Like, I would much... You know, I love Fee, but like, it was kind of cool having like an anarchist news organization where like I got to be very involved in the content, you know, um, I'm not the founder, but uh, bless their hearts. I love them. Um, and then not in the sarcastic way that I feel like Southerners say it. One of our founders is Southern and he said, bless your heart is like not supposed to be the kindest thing to say, yeah. but I mean it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I meant it in a, in a very loving way. Um, but no, Fee's awesome. And for me, it's been really important as far as getting an economic education because I did come from the left. And for me, anarchism has always been about morality. But economics were always like, it's just 
I don't get it. I don't want to get it. Like, no, thank yeah. you. But the last year, I, I understood it. I feel like in a very fundamental, like this is the natural order kind of way, like the spontaneous order and everything, but actually learning the nuts and bolts and like the mechanics of economics has been so helpful to me. It's been awesome. Yeah. Just another tool in your toolbox. When you read about these things and you're suddenly like, oh, okay, I can actually fully embody that argument now rather than sort of like handing it off to a quote here and there, which is what I do because I'm, <laughs> I'm not great at economics as Anglo will attest to. I'm uh... oh, that's not true. <laughs> I'm okay on them, but I, we're all learning. We're all learning all the time. But when you come down to those questions, and suddenly you're like, "Ah, oh, Christ, I'm this is not my strong area." And then, and then you get into it more and more, and it just gives you more confidence in your message, which is always a lovely thing to have. You're like, "Okay, I'm on top of this now." Yeah, so I'm really grateful for it. Yeah. So, how did you come to be involved with um someone like them, not having a background in economics? Oh, well, so actually their director of contact, I believe that's his, that's his title. His name's Dan Sanchez. He is awesome. Look him up, read his writing. He is amazing. And somehow I met him just through social media and he had written some articles for Fee, really, really strong, like anti-war, anti-police state stuff. I'm Hmm. telling you guys, check him out. He's awesome. He's a fantastic writer. He doesn't write as much anymore because he's director of content, but when anti-media started going downhill, because it was you know, we were dealing with algorithmic suppression long before we were fully banned. Um, yeah. And so I was like, I should probably like find some other work, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I don't know how long we're going to have. This. And so it just, it was like serendipity. One of their editors was out of town last June. And so I came on to cover, I'd actually covered for them a couple years prior, but not for a while, but I knew Dan and I told Dan like, Hey, if you need me, I'm around. Um, <laughs> and they ended up needing me and it worked out and I'm, really cool they're very intelligent i'm on the content team and like they're just all such intelligent nice people it's a great working environment and i work from home so i can't complain i work from bed the best (laughs) now would you say you strived to be in the industry you are speaking of anarchy or was it something you were passionate about and one day you're like you know what i just need to make a living off this so i'm gonna find a job that includes it Great question. And uh, I'll be honest, it was like pretty chaotic. I had no plan. Um, All I know, and I realized this years later, is like I was always, even as a kid, even as a statist, I was really into like revolution and like standing up to unjust power. That was just a history. I studied history and I was always into those areas. Like I studied Central and Eastern European history in the 19th century. Like, why? I don't know why I picked it, but I loved it because it was all about revolution and like breaking away from empires and any kind of any of that. I was super into it, but uh, none of that connected as far as a career path. And I just started making videos because my whole thing was I can't be silent about this. When I saw what was going on in the world, I was just like, no, somebody has to say something. There's this great quote from I'm going to butcher his name, but it's Mohammed Mossadegh, who was the ousted Iranian leader where the CIA came in in 1953 and like got him out and put the Shah back in, who's an autocrat. But something he had said was, if I sit silently, I have sinned. And that Mm. resonated with me so much. Like, how can I be aware of this and not use my voice to try to say something? And I never thought my videos would get views. (laughs) I was was like, I'd love Ron Paul. I'm going to make a video about it. At one point, I had a video go viral. If anybody who I am. You probably know it's a blowtorch video with the Obama shirt and one of anti-media's. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the only one anybody knows. 
<laughs> I get so excited when someone names another video. I'm like, hey, you saw something else in mine. Um, but I mean, I, that video was like really important for me. And it, it led me to anti-media where one of their journalists interviewed me for that interview or for that video. And then I ended up just joining the team. So none of it was planned yet. Somehow it's exactly what I wanted to do. And it was like my dream job. So I was so lucky in that way. More questions? Is everyone, not, is everyone still there? Mine was cutting out real yeah. bad. I, I, got, <laughs> I just about got the end of that. I was like, oh, fuck, we just <laughs> Yeah, everybody oh. went silent. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> everybody hung up on me. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, oh, have I fucked up? Um, I got one more on my list before uh, this thing's over. <laughs> Free speech on social media. Do you think it's going to get worse before it gets better? Or do you think there's something like right around the corner... It's going to open up for us. I mean, you've been censored a lot. Like so you Twitter, probably think about it more than anyone. <laughs> seeing as it is your job. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting it. You know, I thought we had more time. After the Alex Jones ban, I was like, it's not good, but <laughs> oh, we got some time to prepare. But no, two months later, we were. Um, so is your question just like, what? what's the outlook? What's going to happen? <laughs> Your opinion. Someone, yeah. Do you, believe, yeah. Do, you believe, do you believe there's something around the corner where we're going to be able to speak more freely? Do you think uh, we're kind of stuck with what we have right now? And I think the belief is that if we're stuck with what we have right now, it's not going to get any better. It's only going to get worse. Right. And, and so, I, yeah, yeah this on. is a tough one. I've been struggling with it since we were banned. Um, there are already some really cool uncensored social media networks. There's Minds, there's Steemit. There's a new one. Uh, the organizers of Anarcho Vegas made it. It's called Float, F-L-O-T-E. And you, it's like Patreon mixed with Twitter and Facebook. And you can get cryptocurrency from people who want to support you. It's really cool. But the eternal dilemma here is the people who are going to be going to those sites are already kind of with us, right? Like yeah. we're trying to reach the people who are on Instagram and they're on Facebook. and I. Uh, I hate to be a pessimist, but given my experience <laughs> and what everybody else is talking about, it's definitely going to get worse. Like, oh, yeah. I'm I'm dead on YouTube, basically. Like, people don't see my videos there. And I was telling, I think you, VR, uh, I was saying, like, my Facebook has how much? It's, like, multiple times more of a following on Facebook than Instagram, yet Instagram will get, like, three to four times more engagement than my Facebook, you know? Like, and people tell me, yeah, they're like, Carrie, it's... we don't see you on Facebook. Like, I follow your page, but I don't see any of your posts. And I get that on Instagram as well. Um, but, yeah, I don't, aside from just making new accounts, like, the Free Thought Project is on it. They were banned the same day we were. They're still on Instagram. But, like, they've had, like, Free Thought Project 2.0, 3.0, 4.0. Like they don't stop. <laughs> they just keep going. And I really admire that. Like that, it really is impressive. Because when we lost anti-media, our founder was just like, nah, I'm not going to rebuild 2.1 million followers. No, thanks. I'm good. Like, And yeah. he works with the Mind Unleashed now, which is also um, there. I don't know if you guys have heard of them, but they're on Instagram and Facebook. And um, a lot of the anti-media team is now working for them. So check them out. Uh, they're pretty cool. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, it sucks. I don't have a solution. And that makes me really sad. You know, I, I always try to be optimistic. Um, but at this point, I don't know what's going to happen. But on the same token, we don't know what platform is going to come up and be the new Facebook. 
like Facebook destroyed MySpace. Instagram is, I think, even though Facebook owns Instagram, like let's pretend they didn't, or like just look at the numbers, Instagram is far outpacing Facebook. So there's plenty of room for a giant platform to come up and we may end up facing the same struggles there, but maybe in the beginning we'll have a shot. I'm hoping for that at some point. I don't think it's gonna happen this year or like maybe even next year, but at some point the market's gonna respond to people hating Facebook and Twitter. I, when we were talking about that, it's um, you're we're really sort of casting our net as wide as we can before we're not able to fish anymore. <laughs> it's like exactly. we're, start, we're already we're already starting to preach to the choir a little bit. It's like all right, we're still changing like the odd amount of minds here and there, but it's like it's just getting less and less new people and more and more just the same people going like, yeah, we agree, yes, this, and, <laughs> and eventually, like you said. We'll, we'll we push push onto uh, minds and stuff, and it's just going to come down to like the same exact thing. It's like, yes, we're on your side. You're still here. Good. What do we do? Like, I don't know. <laughs> a, now, now we've been limited on how many we can convert, so we're sort of like, it, obviously, that's that's the end goal to sort of incapacitate the movement. And I, that I don't want to end this thing on a nihilistic note, but when they get on top of social media, which is at the minute. They're like just about taming the beast that was started, you know, all the way back with uh, MySpace and all that. And it's finally coming down to a point where it's just about controlled in terms of uh, censorship and stuff. And um, maybe there will be another big boom, some sort of market response. But at the minute, it is kind of, it's getting quieter and quieter, which is disheartening. So it is, but I don't want to end on a nihilistic either. So I do have something to say. (laughs) I want to add just one little insight I've gotten. And again, it's not my own. I people, uh, two things. One, this is basic and it's more for YouTube, I guess. But I started using SEO on my titles. Just like you look up the keywords, you see how many people are searching for it. You see what the competition is on the term and you want it to be low. And I've only done one video like this, my last video on red flags. But it actually has performed better, not necessarily in the first moment, like the first few days, but over time. Because by using that tactic, which is really just using Google against itself, like you're inserting yourself into people's search terms. And so your content will then come up when people are just going about their business and searching something even peripherally related to what you're talking about. So that, I think, is really helpful. And then the second thing that I have not mastered, but I think really works, and I I have this aversion to it because I'm like, no, I want to swing at both sides. I really want to hit the left and the right at the same time. But if you can tailor your content, which I have not done. So this is just, you know, I've seen it work for other people. Like maybe I don't have to call out the left and the right in every single video I make. Because if you look at my most viral content, I was unwittingly, I don't want to say pandering, but I was speaking to one side that could really hear me. Yeah. And then I suck them in, you know, and then they hear the rest of the anarchist message. I but... totally agree with that. Most of yeah, us memers, like yeah. depending on what, what's going on in the world and how our meme goes, whether the left or the right is being the stupid person and being loud (laughs) about it. That's how our memes tend to go. And we could tell like we lose certain people because of it, or we get Uh, house cleaning out about it. (laughs) Yeah. I I definitely see that a lot myself. Like Trump will say something about gun laws. I'd be like, all right, time to time to kick the uh, hornet's nest. That is the cult. (laughs) Sure enough. Sure enough. That'll get like, I'll look at my uh, analytics. I'll have like 10,000 views on something. Like, oh, okay, cool. And then I'll, I'll do the same thing where I'm just saying like, you know, anarchy in general, and it gets like, I don't know, 2,000. It's like, okay. 
And then, I don't know, someone will talk about socialism. I'll, I'll kick that the hornet's nest, 10,000 views, sure enough. It just, it's it's a slower and more like precision way of, of doing content, but it sure as hell works. You just have to, you pander to one, if if it's pandering to kick their nest, um, <laughs> to one audience and, and sure enough, you yield the results. And uh, it, it works. <laughs> it does. And I don't mean like make your entire message tailored to one side. I mean like yeah. pieces of content. Um, yeah. But although, and I want to mention, I post about him a lot, a bow of the fifth column. So he doesn't identify as a libertarian anarchist, but he makes videos that discuss anarchism, never talks about the word anarchy. And he has created a huge following among the left. And like, yeah, they're not anarcho-capitalists, okay? And like, they're coming from a very different place, but I came from that place. And he's managed to find a way to speak to this demographic in a way where like, they're not having negative reactions to descriptions of anarchism. You know, they're like, oh, that sounds nice. And he's just not using the word anarchism. Yeah, so... that, that's something a lot of people have a go at me for. It's like, well, you have to know your audience. I've already yeah. kind of like gone down the, the rabbit hole of anarchism, kind of <laughs> ran at this point. But when people are arguing to different people from all over the place you gotta know your audience yep use the right terms use the right arguments use the right um topics and without saying anything explicitly like anarchy which is the scary one um most people are pretty liable to come around to the a peaceful way of thinking yeah and also just to that end in my experience like so and what we're talking about you know like for lack of a better term, pandering, okay, or catering to, or speaking to, or considering the concerns of. Um, I can make a video, say that I make an anti-war video and I get some progressives. Um, a lot will unfollow if I then make a video calling out Medicare for all. I haven't done that, but say that I were to do that. Yeah, I'd lose some people. However, I think a lot of us, you know, we're so exposed to people on the internet and like all this reactivity and all the crazy people on social media, but the average social media user they'll stick around, you know, like maybe they don't agree with this video I made about universal healthcare, but they liked what I had to say about something else that spoke to them. So they trust my integrity, you know, like even if they disagree with me, they can see like, oh, she cares about something I care about. I don't like what she's saying here, but I'm going to stick around. And over time, you never know. I oh. might just, you know. What I like way. is when I'll make a meme about the right and then I make a meme about the left and they both get a ton of likes. But then I make another meme and it doesn't get near as many likes, but I know I just cut out a lot of people and the ones that are following me truly believe the message. You know, they know right. it's, it's not about left or right. They're past that already. <clears throat> bing bong. Bong bing. All right. Yeah. Bing bong. <laughs> Fuck, we've reached that point. I just realized y'all... <laughs> Y'all couldn't hear me for like 20 whole minutes, man. Oh, nice. I never had that problem until the last ca podcast, and then I think I had it again today. Like three times I tried to shit. interrupt people, and y'all yeah. I mean, just ignored me, and I'm like, oh, shit, I got to fucking... Damn, I guess, I guess the things I'm saying aren't cool enough to talk about. <laughs> right. I actually thought about how your loud mouth hadn't come up <laughs> in a minute. Yeah. Like, wasn't my choice. I'm like, being very well behaved. I'm still here. Anyway, this has been good. <laughs> this has been so fun. I don't know if I said this before we started recording. I'll say it again. Or I said it before. I'll say it again. 
I'm so excited to talk to all of you. I'm really like, this has been so fun and exciting. Like I follow all of you on Instagram and I've never gotten a chance to really talk with you. So this, I was looking forward to this all week and I had a great time. We've been preparing for this for like two or three weeks. Yeah, we should. <laughs> We're all like the biggest fanboys. We've taken this and one more seriously than most of our other podcasts. I still showed up late. So that's true to form. So forms. serious. Yeah, I noticed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. But I mean, feel free, feel free to plug your episode on your social medias. I definitely will. Actually, uh, no, this is the point. If we're coming to the end, you plug everything you got going on, you throw it out there. Yeah. Just be like (laughs) hot ones, Sean Evans, this camera, this camera, this camera. Maybe (laughs) just what you think is hot. Maybe just what you think is hot. Throw throw that out there. You mean like where I am on the internet? Or like, I mean, yeah. 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 Like, like, like what you got coming up or the last thing you did that's good. Like, Follow this, follow that. Oh, all right. Well, I'm on Instagram, so you can find me there, Carrie Wedler. I'm on Facebook, but honestly, I'm so over it. I barely even use my public account, but you can find me there. I'm on YouTube. Um, the URL is really embarrassing. It's Carrie Elizabeth 824. That's like how much I really wasn't planning to do this when I started <laughs> making videos. Um, and then I'm on Minds, I'm on Steemit, I'm on Float. I'm banned from Twitter. You cannot find me there, uh, but you can tag me. I Keep tried. tagging me, please. <laughs> I have this one guy, and he, like, to this day, he still tags me, like, Carrie Weather's banned. Like, thanks, guy. Like, you're my <laughs> one advocate on Twitter. Um, yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. I have a bunch of content coming out. I've taken my hibernation time, so I only made two videos this summer. One was on jury nullification. You can check it out. I think it's really important. And another was on red flag gun laws. But I have all sorts of stuff coming. I have a collaboration with The Philosopher that we're going to be, we're finishing it up right now. Um, and then I have stuff on the police state, on that female culture and progressivism that we were talking about earlier in the podcast. So I have a video about that. I've got, uh, there's so many videos I need to make. I'm like excited and then I'm stressed because I'm like, how are you going to do this? But it's, it's all coming and I'm really excited. Like to, I feel like I've taken a lot of important time for myself and I'm ready and I feel like, nourished and capable again so yeah, there's nothing wrong help. with self-help <laughs> it's good we should all I agree it. yeah that's part of my message now yep can't burn yourself out otherwise burn bright and fast <laughs> like, yep exactly not not the way to do it <laughs> bright and fast. yeah okay oh well um yeah thanks for listening everybody this has been a good time even though you know i didn't talk as much as i <laughs> oh yeah do. so the episode is just just binned yeah, but um, <laughs> it's because I talk. I'll find so you back for another episode. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, we, we, we like when the guests <clears throat> we like when the guests interact, and obviously, like we could tell uh, you were interacting because you wanted to, and not just because you were here. So that was really nice. Oh <laughs> yeah, and I wouldn't have done this if I didn't want to do it. I've been like, mm, I don't know, I'm kind of busy, <laughs> but like, no, I'm, I know I probably told the truth, but um, <laughs> regardless, it's <laughs> it's I'm really excited to just get to talk with all of you guys because community really is so important and oh, we all are yes. like just scattered yeah. around alone yeah we are. that's but not anymore no, yeah. no need, we, we need to bridge all of our all of our bubble little community around our fire love will yeah. bring us all together anyway <laughs> listeners uh thank you for listening to this episode of the e-militia podcast thanks again to our guest carrie and uh come around next time because we're either going to have another guest or me and anglo are going to go shot for shot and see who dies first <laughs> yeah that'll be good i can't wait all right
kill Fedbot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>